I usually dislike claimers, disclaimers ahead of a lesson, but I'm going to give you one this morning. I've been battling a cough for three weeks, and so my voice is not what it should be. I ask your patience today and, and hope that uh, it's not much of a distraction to you. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18:21, the Bible says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." The gospel makes it clear that when God sends out His word, that word is Jesus Christ. In John 1 verse 1, the Bible says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the word was Je- the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God used the power of his word to bless. He used his word to create, not to destroy. And since we are made in the image of God, it should be no surprise to us that our words also have power. I believe that we often underestimate the, word, the power of our words. And I believe the Hebrews understood this better than we did. When we look back at, in the Old Testament, the story of Isaac and how he blessed his sons, we look at that story and we see how that uh, Jacob tricked his father into giving him the blessing that was meant for Esau. You know, in my mind, I think, well, why couldn't he have just taken that blessing back? Why couldn't he have changed that? And I think we think that way today because we regard our words lightly. I think about uh, things that happen in the world around us, contracts that are made. People give their word, and then they change. They change their mind. They do something different. Too often in our society, we regard our words lightly. We don't take our words seriously. Most of the time when we consider the subject of, of the tongue or the use of our words, we tend to concentrate on the negative. We go to James, the third chapter, and James talks about the misuse of the tongue. That's useful, but this morning I want for us to consider the positive use of our words and how we can use our words to build others up, to do good, and to be a positive influence. As I studied this lesson, I read quite a bit in Proverbs, and I didn't include all of those in my lesson, but I would uh, invite you at some point to go to the book of Proverbs and just look at those verses. Look at the admonition that we're given to use our words wisely and what a blessing that can be. I've also heard it said, just look at our physical anatomy. You know, we have seven openings in our head, and only one of them is a mouth. Shouldn't that tell us that we need to use that with caution? Certainly we should. We need to be very careful because words, as I said, have power and words have an effect on, on people. Let's read from Ephesians 4 in verse 29. The Bible says there, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I would also like to share with you that same passage as it's rendered in the, EA, or in the revised standard version. It says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those that hear. So let's consider this verse as we read in, in Ephesians and what Paul had to say here. He says that rather than corrupt speech, that we should use gracious speech. And if we'll look in the verse, he defines what gracious speech is. He said gracious speech is constructive. He said it builds others up. He says it's tailor-made for those who hear it. He said according to their needs. And he said it imparts grace. It benefits those who listen, those who hear our words. You know, we've all heard that adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. We all know that's a lie. As a general rule, bones can be uh, mended. But oftentimes the words that we use or words that are inflicted upon us cause wounds that never heal. You know, we can, we say words and we can apologize later, but those words have done the damage. So we need to be careful how we speak and how we use those words. How many times as a child were you in school and, and someone said something about you, usually something derogatory about the way you look, and they'd say, oh, not really. Well, what do we do as adults? We say things sometimes in haste, things that, that we don't think about, but we say them, and we later say, well, that slipped out. That may be the truth, but you know what, what the true, real truth is? That before those words came out of our mouth, they were in our heart. We've got to be careful about that because the things that are in our heart are going to come out in our speech. So let's guard that. Let's be careful. You and I as Christians must be accountable for our words. Uh, Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ears to hear as the learned. Let's listen to what the prophet is saying here. He said God had given him the tongue of the learned. We need to learn how to use our speech in a way that blesses other people. So I would ask each of us to consider this morning, when we speak, do we speak faith or fear? Do we speak humility or pride? Do we speak love or selfishness? Do we speak thanksgiving or greed? Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. As Christians, we need to have a positive influence on people and we can accomplish that by using wholesome words. Again, let's look at what Paul directed in, in, in Ephesians. He said that no corrupt words should, be, uh, should come out of our mouth. He said that we need to use wholesome speech. Wholesome speech are words that build people up. You know, there's power in our words. It takes more than good thoughts and well wishes to build people up. Wholesome words develop the people around us. Wholesome words are timely. The right words at the wrong time can be just as damaging as the wrong words. 
You know, when people experience a major setback in their life, something that's difficult for them, they don't need for us to lecture them on what they should have done or what they could have done differently. They need our compassion. They need our love. Words left unsaid can also be very hurtful. It takes discernment on our part to know when and if to speak. The right words at the right time can make all the difference for someone else. Also, wholesome words provide benefit. Our words can either empower people and make them want to press on, or our words can diminish them and make them want to quit. So as we consider the power of words this morning, I want us to notice a few ways that I believe that you and I can use our speech for good and how we can benefit others. First of all, we can bless. In number 6, verse 22, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Moses directed Aaron and his sons to speak a blessing upon the people, to remind them of their worth in God, that they were blessed by God, and he reminded them to speak that blessing in their life. I would ask you this morning, do you bless others with your words? Are you the kind of person that speaks a blessing to others? I think about my mom and dad when I was a young child. You know, never did I leave the house that they didn't say, I love you, or have a good day, or be careful. Uh, maybe they did that because they knew how bad my driving was. But I realize now that I'm older that that was because they were concerned about me. They were expressing their love and their concern for me. And that may seem like a very little thing, but again, we can speak a blessing into other people's lives. My dad reminded me of Proverbs 21, 22 in verse one, he said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Dad did that not to emphasize my name, but he reminded me that the name Christian is what we wore and that's what we were to guard. He said, people know you by who you are and what you are, and we are to guard that. People know us as Christians, and so does our speech, do our words reflect that? What do we do when we are interacting with other people? Do we remind them that their value is in Jesus Christ? How do we bless our brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, there's some people that just have a knack for this, and I'm, I'm reminded of Larry Golden. He was one of those guys that just had an encouraging spirit. He was able to convey that to you, and he let you know of his appreciation for you, and, and, and as I said, he was an encourager. A, a mom in the congregation related this story to me. She said that, her young son had just, on a Wednesday night, had given a lesson. And after the service, Larry came to her and he simply said, good job, mom. 
You know, sometimes just the, the smallest of gestures, the, uh, the most simple words can be an encouragement to other people and remind them that what they do uh, for the kingdom is of value. The next thing that I believe we can do with our words is to be thankful. Psalms 104 and verse 33 says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. We need to have a thankful spirit. It should be something that's ingrained with us, something that we practice. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So how is it in our everyday conversation? What, what are the words that we use and, and do we express our thankfulness? You know, I think this is a, particularly for me, this is a challenge at times because of the profession that I'm in. And particularly, I look back at this year and, and people ask me about my crop. Well, how was your cotton crop this year? Well, I want to be honest about it. But at the same time, I don't want to come across as, as, as griping or being unthankful. Truth is, the, the weather was, was harsh. Uh, the cotton crop wasn't great. But you know what? I can still think of a million things that I have to be thankful for. And I can, can be a, a, per, a person that uh, conveys that. You know, it's, it's a rut that we get into sometimes of being negative, of, of looking at the negative side of things. But I think it's so important that we actually make a mental list of what we're thankful for. List those things that we've been blessed with and, uh, and, and be a, a people that are thankful. You know, thankfulness creates contentment. Uh, media messages around us tell us that we need to buy this, we need this, uh, we're going to be more fulfilled if we have this. But, you know, the truth is by choosing to be thankful, we can embrace contentment. When we choose to be thankful for the big and the small blessings in our lives, we foster a heart of humility and a spirit of graciousness. David said in Psalm 119, verse 62, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgment. We need to be intentional. Uh, it needs to be something that we don't just do haphazardly or, or at certain times of the day, but let's be intentional about our thankfulness and recognizing the blessings that we have in our life. Colossians 1 verse 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Are you thankful for the people that God's placed in your lives, in your life? Everyone has a need and a desire to be appreciated. Our spouse, our children, our parents, our co-workers. And we, when we express uh, appreciation to others, uh, that encourages relationships it improves the quality of them I think it's very important that we take the opportunities that we have to appreciate the people that are around us you know when we look at at life we realize how short it is and and again let's take the opportunity that we have today to express our love and our appreciation to others
The third way that I think we can use our words uh, in a positive way is to encourage. As Christians, we have the opportunity to build people up, and that applies to all people. It may be the overbearing boss, the rude cashier, or a family member that's stressed out. You know, they all have potential, and it takes more than just our good thoughts uh, to, to help them. We can build people up with the words that we choose to use. I've heard it said that people won't always remember what you said, but they will remember the way that you made them feel. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. You know, every day has its hardships. It has its own hurts. And when we filter our words through godly wisdom, we can be a person that brings healing rather than inflicting pain. I would remind you of the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now when you look at each one of these, we understand that these things can be expressed in word, and indeed, you know, I've had many opportunities in my life to, to express these things, but I don't always take advantage of them. I'll tell you a story, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this. If you want the embellished version, you can ask Callan at a later time. But uh, we had taken a road trip. My boys were with me. Lyle was with me and Callan, and, and we had, had made this trip. And when we got there, I dealt with a salesman that, his language was foul. He was just disgruntled about everything. He had misrepresented what he had to sell. And so I was in a bad mood after dealing with him. And we, uh, we leave, we go, and everybody wants a drink, so we go to Sonic. And you know, not everybody at Sonic, you can't simply order a, a Dr. Pepper or Coke. You gotta have all the cherry and the vanilla and all that good stuff. So we ordered the drinks. And the young lady came out with this tray full of drinks. She came to the window, and she handed me the first drink, and it wasn't marked. I looked at it. It wasn't marked. And I said, what is this? And she said, I don't know. So I set it in the car. She handed me the second one, and I looked at it. It wasn't marked. I said, what is this one? She said, I don't know. And then she proceeded to drop the rest of the drinks on the ground. Okay, I had an opportunity there to, to help her out, didn't I? But what did I do? She looked at me and she said, which drinks are you missing? <laughs> My response could have been any number of things, but I said, I don't know, darling. You dropped them on the ground. You see, I had the opportunity to bless her. I had the opportunity to make her day a little better, but I didn't. I was allowing what the sale, the mood that the salesman had put me in, I had allowed that to bleed over and to make someone else's day bad. So you see, we need to be very careful about how we choose our words. We need to use our words as an encouragement in our relationships. Romans 14 verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another.
This word edify means the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, holiness. We think about edify, we think of the word encourage. The word encourage, according to Webster, is to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. We each have a responsibility and an opportunity to be a blessing to others, and we can do that by encouraging words. You know, I think about the, the blessing that we have right here in this congregation. I think about all the young families that we have and all these little children. And after the service, they're up here playing, and, and I know that parents are nervous, and you'll hear someone scream, someone gets hurt, and parents have to deal with that. Uh, those parents, I remember being in their position. You know, you're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, and you're concerned about, about your children, about the way they act, how others perceive them. So do we have encouraging words for them? Do we go to those young parents and, and let them know that their, good, their hard work pays off, that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel? We need to give them encouragement. You know, with those of us that are on the other side of child rearing can, can share our experiences with them, and we can, uh, can remind them that consistency and diligence pays off. When we think about this idea of encouragement in our relationships, you know, I think if, uh, if, if you have a broken marriage or a marriage that's always struggling, be the one that does the right thing, who says the right thing. Be the one that makes the decision to always be kind. Be the one that bites your tongue and realizes, realizes that having the last word only brings more damage. Begin to heal your marriage through your words. I want to go back to the verse that we started with, and I want to read the rest of it. I left off the last as we started. But Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We reap what we sow. The words that we use, we reap them. Think about it in this way. Within our relationships, if we speak hate, uh, bitterness and sarcasm, those are the things that we're going to reap. On the other hand, if we speak love and consideration and kindness, those are the things that we're going to reap as well. I also think about uh, the written word and, and something that's been very uh, special to me when people write something when they put it in writing and give it to you it seems to have e even more meaning to me it does uh, there's many ways that we can encourage our, our spouse our children our our friends write that down send them a note send them a card those are things that m mean something to people uh, there are so many ways that we can build these relationships by encouraging words the next way that we can use our words in a positive way is to praise. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We have an amazing God that we serve. We have the opportunity to express our thankfulness to him. One way that we do that is by singing. 
And I appreciate very much the song that Luke led before the, the lesson, and it, it wasn't planned. I didn't ask him to. But that song to me is such a beautiful song. It expresses why we praise God, why we have take the opportunity that we do to sing. James 5 verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Singing is something that is good for us. It lifts our spirit, and it helps us as we uh, uh, sing in, in the assembly and as we sing praise to God. Psalm 104 verse 33 says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Praise to God is our focus when we sing in the, in the assembly. But another benefit as well as a responsibility is encouraging one another as we sing. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's be very intentional about the words that we sing. Ephesians 5 verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing is a vital part of the edification of the church. Singing is not for just a few people. It's not for people with certain abilities, but it's for all of us, and it's a commandment that we sing. The power of our participation in congregational singing is not about the quality of our voice, but in us joining our voices as Christians in praise to our God. We cannot edify in song if we don't take the book out of the rack or if we never open a book. If we have a voice, we need to use it to sing praise to God. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you don't sing in the worship service, why not? This is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. What are we doing if we're not singing? Are we daydreaming? Planning our day? Thinking of our work? There are so many distractions in this life, but when we're here, we need to be focused we need to be a part of the worship, and we need to understand the responsibility that we have to sing praise and to edify our brothers and sisters. I would ask you to take out a songbook and turn to number 336, and I'm not going to read it all, uh, but, but this song is very special to me, and I, there's some words in it that I think are just extremely uh, important. And can it be is the name of the song, number 336. The second verse expresses, you, you left your father's throne above, so free and infinite your grace, emptied yourself of all but love, and bled for Adam's race. When we think about Christ and what he did, he left the splendor of heaven. I like the, the expression in this song. It says, he emptied himself of all but love. Christ is the ultimate example of love. He did that for you and I. And then when we sing the chorus, amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? How can we sing words like that and not be stirred 
with emotion. Why will we not join in in praise to such an amazing God? Again, as we consider using our words positively, the next point is don't talk too much. Uh, in Psalms, uh, Proverbs 10, verse 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refrain, refraineth his lips is wise. And I'm, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I'm going to just tell you this one's a challenge for me. There's times that I talk when I need to be quiet. There's times that I talk when I need to listen. And I've had an extremely good example in this. I've got a father-in-law, any of you that know him know that he's a man of few words. He's one of those guys that has learned to refrain his lips, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, he's got a great spirit because he says very few words, but when he, what he does say is usually of great importance. Proverbs 17, verse 27 says, He that know, hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. I think uh, probably Abraham Lincoln was making a reference to this verse when he said that it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. That's, that's very true. Let's be careful of the words that we use. Let's choose those words wisely. And the last point I want to make this morning when we consider the power of our words and how we use our speech, we can use our words to express love. I am a firm believer in expressing love to those people that we are close to and those people that, are, uh, that mean so much to us. There are people that I love and appreciate because of the way that they have impacted my life. You know, Ephesians tells the husbands that they are to love their wives. Titus tells the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands and their children. I believe that love is something that we both express in word and in action. And as I said, we go back to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5:22. Every one of these things can be expressed in word and in action. I believe it's important that we express our love to, the, to, those, uh, to our relationships, but especially to our children. I want to share with you what God the Father said to his own son. At his baptism in Matthew 3, God said of his son, he said, uh, and, 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 and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In Matthew 17, at the transfiguration, uh, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I want us to consider what God the Father said of his Son, Jesus Christ. He said, This is my Son. He showed acceptance. He spoke of his beloved son, or one that I love. He showed affection. He said, in whom I am well pleased, 
stating affirmation. Those that we love, those that are important to us, need to know that. We need to express our love. And I think specifically, as we consider the role of parents and, and the impact that they have on children, our children need to know of our love and our acceptance and our affirmation. Uh, I didn't have the privilege of raising a daughter, but I know uh, just by living life and, and seeing what I've experienced that our daughters need to hear that love and affirmation from their father because if they don't, they're going to look for it elsewhere. Our children need to know that they're loved. In conclusion this morning, I want to share with you Psalms 19 and verse 14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let us all make this our prayer, that our words would be acceptable to God. The way that we speak, together with our attitude and tone, reflect the person that we are and that impacts everything and everyone around us. You know, we are perceived by the words that we use. If we are a positive person, we are perceived that way. If we are a person that's always complaining or uh, if we're always critical or complaining, that's also the way that we're perceived. I want to leave you with this quote. It says, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your actions. Uh, your thoughts become your words. And your words become your actions. Luke 6 and verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And I simply ask you this morning, what's in your heart? If you're here this morning and subject to the gospel call, the Lord's invitation is always open. If you've been taught and would like to respond, we would certainly encourage you to do that. If you're here and the prayers of this congregation would be of, of help and encouragement to you, we would invite you to come as well as we sing the song of invitation.